0: This is uh, Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin and I'm here with Jennifer Phillips-Russo. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you've uh, listened to some of our previous podcasts. Those were actually video blogs uh, that we've converted to podcasts. So uh, we're going to sound a little bit different. I've got my studio set up here, so hopefully you don't have to try to read my lips because you're not going to be able to do that if it's audio only. Uh, so, and hopefully I sound a little bit better. A couple other changes we made is the, is the name, so if, if we do sound different, that's why. Um, but what we do want to do is continue to bring you uh, this relevant information once a week in a way that is most easily accessible to you. So that's what we're going to try to do. Uh, and as a reminder, if you're just finding us, we're located up here in the Lake Erie region along the escarpment and it is the beginning of April. So we are going to talk about what's going on in the vineyards because things are just starting to change. We've had some warm weather and uh, Jennifer's been out in the vineyard looking at some buds and throwing them in freezers and doing things like that. And I'll turn it over to her and we're going to to talk about what what it means.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kevin. So I've had a couple calls from growers, a little bit, a lot of concern about where we are, that there's a lot of sap coming out of the fruiting canes that have been pruned. There's bud swell. I've heard doe skin. And I just want you to know that at the Cornell Lake Erie Research and Extension Laboratory in Portland, New York, we have kept a phenology block for many years. It started in Fredonia, now it's in Portland, and we've been in Portland for over 10 years now, where we have vines that are different pruning levels. They're Concord vines. We go in there on a weekly basis, The staff goes through and counts all of the buds and then counts the percentage of the buds that have moved. So I do have an update. We use at the CLERA, we'll just call it Clara for those of you who know, which is the acronym for the Cornell Lake Erie Research and Extension Laboratory, the Modified Shalice Field Score Scale. And there's also the EL scale, but we have been using the Modified Shalice Scale. And that's what we're going to be talking to you about. And in the Modified Shalice Scale, 1.0, a score of 1.0 is complete dormant. I can tell you that as of noon yesterday, they went through and they counted the buds and we are now at a 1.5 on the modified shawless scale. For those of you who are watching this and listening, you can go to lergp.com and see the modified shawless field score there if you want to go out on your own. And I also put it in the crop update for this week. So you'll have a version of it there or online and you can take it with you out in the field and look at your own buds out there.
0: So Uh, Jen, if you, um, if you're looking at this scale, uh, you know, normally after one comes two. uh, So if a one is dormancy, what is a two?
1: Two is what we call first swell and that's when you do see that dose skin or that brownish wool that's coming out of there so we're in between there they're no longer as tight as they were but they're definitely not at least in our phenology block popped open and showing dose skin as of right now
0: okay and i think i mean i think the critical thing for our growers you know what they're thinking about when you start to see something that's not dormant is what do you think that means for hardiness? I mean today what is the potential for frost? What what can they survive?
1: Okay that's a very good question and you can also find that on our website there is a critical temperature chart out there. But as far as what I have tested this year and I have tested concords from November until yesterday just so you know i don't have yesterday's data for you but i do have friday's data for you to let you know where it has been progressing through the season we have actually stayed really dormant through mid-february at the start probably around the 19th of february then we actually started to deacclimate so we are in deacclimation, and you can tell by the movement in the buds that they are definitely waking up But throughout that, I'm trying to pull up some information and then I can read it to you and also show you. I'm gonna share my screen and talk you through this. Okay. Can you see the screen screen,
0: Kevin? We're getting there. Yes, it's just loaded now.
1: Should I increase it, make it a little bit better?
0: That would be great. And we'll we'll cover this in our discussion. So if you're just listening, you're not really going to miss anything. But um, if, if you are seeing our video blog, uh, you'll, you'll get a preview of of uh, what's happening before we, we actually mention it.
1: Right, I'll try to walk it through as best as possible for those who are listening podcast. So when we test what's called bud hardiness, we basically cut buds off the cane, put them in cells to do this um, lethal temperature exocerns. So when living material dies, it lets off a spike of heat. And then that spike of heat can actually be measured in this 10 2 freezer and software we have from Brock University. We do 10 buds per cell all through, and you probably don't even care about that. But what we're trying to do is make sure we have enough samples to give a good representation of the buds that are hanging out there. Then we're gonna report to you what's called an LT 50, we do LT90, and we do LT10. And what that means is LT10 is at what percent do 10% of the buds die at what temperature? LT50, what percent do 50% of the, I'm sorry, what temperature do 50% of the buds die? And then LT90 is at what temperature do 90% of the buds die? And we've been reporting that and keeping it on our website and in our crop updates so that you can have that information. It can help you Sometimes delay pruning, which might, if you don't have some of your, if you're worried this season and you still have some blocks that aren't all the way pruned, maybe delay that a little bit if you're concerned about where they are.
0: Yeah. The only thing I would add is, so, you know, what do you do with this information? At LT10, this is pretty much exclusively for reactionary behavior. Right. So uh, LT10, if you have an insurance policy that's inexpensive, uh, you know, like, you um, Wind devices to reverse an air to create or eliminate an inversion situation, you'd want to activate those above this temperature um, just to be safe. But for purposes of it affecting your yield, if your conditions are identical to ours and you only lose 10% of your buds, you know, if you're an experienced grower, you know that that's that's actually not a concern. 50 is going to be certainly it starts affecting your crop. And 90, we probably have a disaster on our hands where any sort of mitigation you can come up with isn't going to adequa- adequately protect your crop. Um, so that's what I think why those three levels were developed. You know, LT10 is something you don't have to worry about, but if, but if you have things you can do, that's when you do them. 50 is when you may start reacting with looking at things and changing how you prune and 90 is probably a disaster that you've got to get out and assess
1: so thank you kevin when sure. we're looking at that the lt 50s as of like march 31st for concord we're talking about concord here we could get down to i'll say 14 to 17 degrees fahrenheit it varies again and where where your how tall your trellis is how you know what your cover crop is but all that But we're gonna talk about just 15 15 to 17 degrees to lose LT 50s or 50% of the buds. If you look at the forecast moving forward, and this is because they're dormant, we don't have any green tissue showing. If we had green tissue showing, if we were up to maybe a four for a full bud break, and we started to get down to lower temperatures, that's obviously when we have real concern. But we're still a little bit tight, The forecast doesn't show us going below those. In the extended forecast, I think, I just had it up so I could actually tell you, we're talking the lowest temperature, this is for Fredonia, New York, where I'm located, which is about 14 minutes away from Portland, (laughs) is going to get down to 37. So I do know that we have some really nice weather going on currently over 60 degrees, but that temperature is also going to decrease starting on Sunday. So the mild temperatures are going to come back, hopefully stall out the buds a little bit. It's not going to get down past that critical LT50 temperature. So as of right now, I know it's you're nervous, and as you should be. But as of right now, I think that we should be okay. I'm hoping I don't have a crystal ball, but I am hoping, judging by the science as to where we are
0: yeah you you know i think the two things i would highlight if i was going to try to emphasize both the good and the bad news is it looks like those numbers you're looking at um, things are a little less hardy than they normally are given the phenology we're observing Uh, maybe maybe about four degrees Uh, and on top of that that data is seven days old and the last six days or seven days have been really nice weather so they're probably even slightly you know the numbers you're looking at should be a little warmer than that. So that's the bad news. But the good news, I think, really is the phenology and the upcoming weather forecasts. So for at least the next seven days, it does not look like you're going to see a lot of progression in phenology and temperatures below 20 degrees are a lot harder for, you know, for weather patterns to achieve right now than what we typically see for our spring frost, which is something more like 25 to 28 degrees when things are more more vulnerable. So so that I would say that's the good news. You know, I would I would continue to be able to sleep at night right now and I'd probably try to sleep a little extra in case things <laughs> don't go as planned because the time you are going to lose sleep, um, I mean it certainly looks like this is a year where we're gonna have at least a few worrisome nights, whether or not they amount to anything, it does look like things are early enough. So I would be surprised if we don't have, you know, at the very least some forecasts that are general generalized to the area that produce some numbers below 28 degrees when we all are vulnerable to that amount. so kevin so let, let me ask you yeah. a question yeah
1: so this is on the spot but we're talking about obviously we had a disaster declaration last year there were some frost damages in may may 8th and may 13th so last year you could have used crop insurance What are your thoughts moving forward? And this is sort of a loaded question because you're our crop insurance guy.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, you can use crop insurance when you can use crop insurance. So uh, what you're referring to is a a disaster declaration, which in grapes is not particularly helpful in most years because most of our growers don't access USDA programs related to disaster declarations. If they do, or if a new program comes down the line, you know, the, the, um, that happened a lot last year with things not related to disasters, but related to COVID. Okay. Um, so, you know, if there is a program, it's always good to have a disaster declared, but with crop insurance, if you lose yield, you, you get money. Um, you just have to lose enough yield. There was not a lot of crop insurance last year. There was some, but um, you know, you're really looking at growers who could get claims based on individual block performance. You know, where they have a lot of blocks and fairly high averages, and growers that um, you know have fairly high levels of coverage. Which growers who have crop insurance, most of them do have higher levels of coverage. So there were some claims, but it was fairly minimal. Uh, it was in the worst hit areas. You know, if you, if you see that LT 50, a lot of growers are not going to have a crop insurance claim. Um, their protections are not high enough. Their yield averages are not quite high enough. And, you know, they, uh, they leave up a lot of buds to help compensate too. So, um, you know, this 20, 2012 is an obvious year where crop, crop insurance is a really useful tool for you know 75 to 100 of the people that have it this could be a year like that we really just don't know yet uh, and you know on some level it really doesn't matter these decisions were made back in november so you're stuck with what you've got but again like every year when you lose sleep you really have to think about why you're losing sleep and if you know there's a, an insurance product that can that can help you feel better and change the way you manage your vineyard to be more successful there's always another November. So you can always sign up next year if if you think it's a tool that's going to help you. Um, But yeah, it's really speculation at this point to really try to figure out, you know, who left up 200 buds and how many of those 200 buds are going to die and how many do you need? So you actually have a claim. It's it's we'll we'll know more in a while. And we won't know until, you know, we're going to see people very upset about some moderate freeze dam or frost damage before you actually see data to support crop insurance claims it's it's going to look ugly before we know that people are going to actually get crop insurance claims
1: but as of right now i do highly suggest taking that modified shawless field score out looking at your own buds seeing where you are and then just following your newest station we're still quite tight and here's hoping we stay that way for a while and with this cooler weather coming after these next couple of beautiful days that hopefully it'll slow down a little bit. Give us now, a breath. Now, I know the
0: reason you, you use that freezer typically is to monitor for frost damage or potential frost damage. How long do you plan on continuing to collect buds, freezing them and seeing what those critical temperatures are? So
1: I had anticipated to continue it through the growing season, well, up until at least bud break. Okay. But then I I had spoken to some other scientists who are working on just sort of that same thing. And once you have that green tissue, green tissue is gonna freeze, you know? So it's really not going to help us along trying to monitor that. It's really through the dormancy and as it's opening up is where it's really most important. But after that green tissue is exposed, it's gonna freeze.
0: So that would be sort of bud swell, you're thinking? or
1: yeah actually or
0: i mean bud burst
1: bud burst it would be right. the full swell really at 3.0
0: okay right and and so then at that point you're usually looking at temperatures of 25 degrees and you know somewhere between 25 and 32 with the variability that occurs you're, you you can't dial it in any more than that to know and um, you know we've seen i remember seeing some damage in that stage that happens at 29, 28 degrees. It just happens to be that cold, which doesn't seem like it would be too cold just for a really long time. Um, The the only other thing I would mention, because you brought up crop insurance, is other risk management tools that we can, that growers can implement to try to avert frost. And obviously there are some, there are some expensive ones that it's too late to do, just like crop insurance, like, Wind turbines,
1: frost um, fans,
0: frost fans, and you know the the ones that are large enough they're they're certainly effective over a certain amount of acreage if there is an inversion. Um, trying to justify the mathematics of that, you, you know, as a business plan, is questionable. I mean, it's it's highly variable depending on how often you're going to experience an inversion. Um, the other one that you're you know you know you're too late for are the oils. Penn right. State had a nice, a nice webinar about oils, uh, and some new products that seem promising. But also, you know, there was some information about old products. Essentially, any of your agricultural oils technically can delay uh, grapes from coming out of dormancy. So those are risk management tools you have that are just too late to use this year. Um, check out that webinar; it's recorded. Um, there should be some more information about it in the future right jen because there's some more work going on yes yeah, so we're
1: actually doing some trials right so yeah. but we don't yeah, have so new, some, there some are some new
0: products i think the new products are expensive but you know if it gets us out there and talking about it you can decide what products work for you if any of them um but the ones moving forward would be floor management right right so the conditions of your floor that affect temperature and you know, the only thing I'd say right now, and I'm just the business guy, but I would want to th- keep things as cold as possible right now, uh, at least to the extent that it's realistic. So how do you do that? Like, you know, I how want to colder, cold, because right now there's nothing remotely close in the forecast to, you know, that's going to create any risk. So if I'm a little colder, then maybe I can delay my phenology a little bit.
1: So if I had cover crops, I would not mow it yet because you want that. You don't want that air drainage. You want it to be colder. And if it's in a a wet floor with the cover crops up there, you're going to have the you know, highest temperature. Help the air is going to stick in there. Well, I mean, we tell you when it gets close to that frost damage, and we're super worried about there's green tissue showing, and we've had bud break. Mow it down. Some people even tell you to disc it. I'm not a huge fan of bare soil. There's only a half a degree difference between that and a very mowed cover crop. So I would suggest that, but I mean, it's your own, whatever your production goals are and what if you're really worried, I suppose that would be the way to go. But I don't think we're quite there yet. Like right now, if I wanted to keep it colder, I just wouldn't mow, keep up more buds. If you haven't pruned some of your blocks, keep some up there and you can delay so, that a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, know your operation because, you know, if you have cover crops that reach the top wire, there's going to be a huge difference in air drainage and how cold your vineyard gets. It's totally fine right now, but you do have to have an understanding of how long it's going to take you to clean that up. Uh, And some people can do it in a day and some people can do it in a week. So I think just trying to manage your risk through understanding how fast you can cover ground is, is important at this time. So probably best case scenario, you don't actually have to react just yet. Um, Same with, you know, I think the best strategy that coincides with what's going on your, in your in your vineyard, especially if you don't have an active cover crop, is a fairly early season uh, weed spray. It, it it's not just for you know crop management. It it allows you to you know make sure you're going into the growing season conserving moisture and uh, making sure that you know your your weed control is where it should be. Um, so it's not just for for frost management. So. Yeah, you you wanna cover that ground as fast as you can and you wanna make sure whatever that material is, has time to be effective. Typically for row middles, it's gonna be Roundup. You wanna be really careful about using Roundup when it's too cold. It's gonna work a lot better when it's a little bit warmer. Um, So again, certainly no reason to spray Roundup next week. I wouldn't spray Roundup next week in almost all of our operations. But we do certainly wanna acknowledge up here in the Lake Erie region, we have a lot of farms that are large and every year they get larger, so they're all struggling to sort of right size their operation and make sure they can manage what they've got. Um, so make sure you can manage what you've got, you know, make sure if you have a really high cover crop, you can take care of that before there is a frost concern. Just right now, I don't think there is. I think uh, I think the concern is theoretical based on historical performance of, you know, us starting to come out of dormancy early. There's nothing critical today, tomorrow, or even Next week, uh, but beyond next week, I, I I don't have a crystal ball, so we do have to be ready.
1: <laughs> right, and we will continue to monitor phenology weekly and update you.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely, that's great. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, you know, to this podcast, we also have our crop updates that come out weekly. You know, if you prefer to read your information, uh, but. We'll, but one way or another, we will make sure that you have access to at least a quick um, update on phenology over the course of the next couple of months every week. Uh, and I think that's all we have for now. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, one question that might come up if you're watching this as a video blog as you have in the past, uh, you know, if you need any help trying to figure out how to get this uh, on a podcast where you would normally listen to a podcast uh, format. Uh, if you've never done that before, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, there's going to be a link on our website that's going to be above the blog that you're watching. So that's certainly one way you can you can do it if, if you're familiar with that. But if you're still struggling, please reach out. Let us know. Uh, we do want to make sure, even if you're not familiar with the format, that if you want to listen to us in a tractor on your phone, you can do that. Uh, We know you guys spend a lot of time there and uh, it's hard to get access to all the information you need. So uh, maybe we can do two birds with one stone. That's our goal. So um, any questions, please feel free to reach out and we will see you next week.
1: Thanks for joining everybody.
0: Thank you.